Today on How Do You Shoot That, we have my longtime friend, Kent Nishimura, AKA the forever intern. We talk all about photojournalism and the grit and determination it takes to land a gig at the LA Times. If you've ever questioned your abilities or struggled figuring out what it is you should be doing with your life, you're gonna eat this podcast up. Now let's go chat with Kent. You have been um, down a very, I think, unconventional path towards where uh, you you are currently working in the creative industry today. You know, this show is about education. It's about inspiration. And I think a lot of people getting started in any creative endeavor always have a little bit of self-doubt, a little bit of an unclear vision of where they want to go or how they want to operate. And I think you, you have a, a really interesting and powerful story as to how you got where you are today, and I'd love to share a little bit about that journey. Can you can you just tell everybody what, what it is that you do? Um, so I'm a photographer with the Los Angeles Times. Um, I'm what you would call general, a general assignment photographer. I, I'm able to do everything that, like, at least like different fields of photography that, are, that our paper needs. You know, you send me to a portrait session with a celebrity, I could crack out a portrait, send me to a Dodger game or a or a Laker game, I you know I can shoot that um, as well as a lot of the breaking news and even long form documentary stories that we that we uh, cover, I guess. Um, and with a paper like the the LA Times, um, we have a pretty I guess deep breadth of what we cover and being able to kind of wear many hats throughout that I guess with that process is has kind of been I don't know it's 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 been it's been fun it's like. It's something different every single day for me, and sometimes it could be like a boring press conference. The next day it could be um, a portrait with Channing Tatum. So it's 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 really kind of neat, and I feel extremely blessed to be able to do that. Especially since newspapers are kind of shrinking, and the the staff photo jobs are de- are definitely disappearing. But you took uh, kind of a long route to get to where you are today, and I think it's a really inspirational journey. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got started in, in your creative endeavors. A lot of missteps <laughs> is is definitely um, my I guess would be a, a good way to describe my path, but it, it just it's something that I kind of fell into. Um, I initially was uh, contemplating being a music major in um, when I started college. I had gotten a, a scholarship to UH uh, for clarinet, and that's the path I had set myself down and one day I kind of an impulse shopper and I bought a camera <laughs> and being somebody who did it who wanted to at least kind of make that money back from the from the camera I uh I saw there was an opening at the student paper at University of Hawaii and I applied for a job there and got it from there it's kind of a weird whirlwind of things happening I interned at the uh at the Honolulu Advertiser, back when we were the two papers, I actually got hired there um, and decided to leave school and not finish finish my degree, and got laid off actually six months later due to the uh, merger of the two papers. Uh, being a somewhat immature young adult that I was at the time, I decided to kind of go off and pursue uh, freelance photography as as a thing. I had at that point I had gotten lucky and I had I um. This is like back in like 2008, 2009. I um, started freelancing for some of the wire services in Hawaii, um, covering 
President Barack Obama's uh, trips home, uh, like his annual vacations, and as well as covering any other major news that was happening in the Aloha State. I mean, long story short, I ended up kind of bouncing around the mainland U.S. doing uh, either jobs or internships. And when I finally got to the Denver Post um, in 2014, which is a mid-sized regional newspaper, and they've been, at that time that I got there, they were we were really well known for their photography staff. One of the staffers on there, who's a who's a good, who's a good friend of mine, Craig Walker, had won two Pulitzers for feature photography, which was incredible. And he's a really good mentor and a really great friend. And when I got there, the director of photography kind of like coaxed me into like or convinced me that I I definitely need to go back to school and finish my degree. After that, I mean, it kind of everything kind of fell in place for me. Like you know, just kind of working hard and keeping at it and. And always keeping in contact with editors that I had worked with before. So um, once I finished my degree, I I, um, I I I ended up in LA and working at the Times, which has been a really great experience. Some people have joked that you you had a long internship. Like it seemed like a bunch <laughs> yeah. of different internships you hopped around. Um, as somebody who's just getting started, how did you? get into some of these internships how did you find them how did you land them um one there's a there used to the national press photographers association used to have a job bank which i i believe they still do but it's kind of especially with the advent of like social media and whatnot um our, there's a facebook group that posts a lot of uh internships and job listings um it's coordinated by um a, a, a gentleman out of nebraska i think and you know all these postings will go up on there anywhere from like internships at like a small you know town paper to something like a job at the new york times like everything gets posted on there and everybody who's you know 100 i think it's like a hundred thousand people who are on this group will see it and you know people will comment and say oh you know i worked here or i interned here um so that's one way to do it um another well i mean let me let me hop back a little bit like so after my Late after I got laid off from the advertiser, um, I had I had actually been applying for out of state internships because I felt like even though I had a staff job at a pretty sizable Metro Daily, you know I mean there was a lot of stuff I hadn't learned. You know I hadn't I hadn't embedded myself in a, in a in a completely different community. Hawaii, in a sense, is very unique in the way that you know the the cultural demographics are structured here. And, you know, I wanted to go and experience something different. And so I had applied to, you know, papers in, in like the Jasper Herald in Dubois County, Indiana, um, the Topeka Capital Journal, the Colorado Springs Gazette, very small town, very Midwestern or Central America papers. You know, it would definitely be something different. And I got a lot of rejection letters um, at first. And a lot of it was because the a lot of the, the DOPs there were like, oh, you're too experienced. You know, you've been freelancing for a couple of years. You've had a staff job. Why would we hire you? Well, you know, for an internship, we want our interns to be, you know, um, kind of like raw and moldable and or malleable and, and you know, something where we feel that they could learn. And I was like, well, I've never been outside of Hawaii. Like, that was a huge thing for me. Like, I, I, had, I had only experienced this one pocket of the world, and I really wanted to go out and, and, and explore. And, and of course, you know, that being said, while I was doing all these applications, I was still traveling and doing work for other people. So it was, it was a little bit tough to, to find like that footing where I could, I could convince 
you know, these, these DOPs that I would be a good person or a good candidate to learn from their staff. Back when I was living here, I had a, I had a wall of, of rejection letters. Uh, I had like 10 from the New York Times, 10 little postcards that said, sorry, you know, we decided not to, to hire or to go with you as our summer intern or, or you know, and lots of places. And finally, after about two and a half years of feeling very, very frustrated and just kind of working on my own personal projects, I got a break when Mark Rice, who is the director of photography at the Colorado Springs Gazette, which used to be an incredible photo paper, said, hey, you know, you've sent me your application like five times already. And, you know, um, of those five times, you've been on the short list. But we just weren't sure because you have so much experience. And he's like, you know, I really appreciate and I, I, he's, I really like that tenacity um, that you're showing. And, and, you know, he's like, I decided to, he's like, and at that point, I just said, all right, you know, I gotta, I gotta honor that, and I'll give you a chance. And that kind of snowballed from there. And from there, I kind of bounced around to a bunch of internships, which, which kind of gave me the nickname, the, the forever intern, <laughs> um, by, by people in the industry and even people um, outside of newspapers who, who knew me, um, would just joke that I would always be kind of like bouncing around and interning. Which, it was a great experience, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But yeah, it was that, I guess, that tenacity and that commitment, I guess, to, or to, to learning and showing that I, I could be a good, a valuable asset is what is really what kind of got me in the door. It sounds like an amazing opportunity. Um, we talk about that all the time, interning and how internships can be your golden ticket, not just a step into the door, but interning in general is such a great way to learn about how a real business would operate and getting to intern at many different places, you see how businesses run. If you ever want to start your own thing or whatever, you know how other people have done it. But tell me why interning to you was so valuable and what kind of things you, you learned at different papers, um, different staffs, different mentors. Interning is very valuable because it, it allows you to really embed yourself into that community that you're going to. I mean, I, I, I worked in Colorado, Florida, uh, and LA primarily, or California primarily, is where most of my internships were. But, I mean, it, it allows you to get to know that community. Um, like, you hit the ground running. And, and I, I, had a, I had a boss in Tampa who always preached this ideology of an internship is a sprint. You know, you hit the ground running, you start running from day one, and you you sprint all the way till you pass that finish line at the end of 10 weeks or whenever the internship ends. And you move on to the next thing, and you repeat. And once you get that staff job, it's more of a marathon where you're, you know, you're there for the long haul. You're there to show that, you know, that you can do this job, but also that you can bring ideas to the table and create these pitch ideas that, that are that are definitely within the scope of what the paper is looking for and and that it's you know that they're great i was very fortunate that i got to work under a wide variety of personalities i guess you could say um mark was and in colorado springs mark was very very nurturing very um fatherly even if i somehow screwed up on something you know he would sit me down and say well you know, this is where you screwed up on this assignment. You know, maybe try looking or thinking about this differently next time. And he would, you know, I'd get a second chance to, to, to do something, to do that assignment again or, or something like it. Um, when I got to, um, and these are just like different benchmarks, I guess, like um, 
that I'm kind of going through. When I got to the Tampa Bay Times, I really learned there about trusting your coworkers and kind of having that family, that sense of family within the office. And, and not just within the photographers, but within the photographers and the writers as well and, and how important it is to work together and and how um, how really spending the time really changes that. I learned a lot about relationships there. Um, when I was in Denver, I worked for this <laughs> this madman from Utah, Tim Rasmussen is probably the best, one of the best directors of photography that I've ever worked with. He he is unrelenting and I mean he's just he's a hard ass, but he he pushes people to be better than they are. And I mean some people don't thrive under that, but I definitely do. Um so whenever somebody tells me I can't do something, I I just have this urge to do it and prove them wrong. And so Tim really brought that out of me. And he was actually the reason that I ended up at the LA Times with an internship there. I credit him with a lot of the, the my most more and more recent success just because he pushed me to be significantly better than I than I was at the time that I arrived at the post and because I guess he felt that I had overcome a lot of the hurdles that he had set for me that, you know, he 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 pushed for me to to be where I am today. And I feel very grateful for that. But I mean, like, all that just doesn't come without hard work. Like, hard work has to be, you know, the, the work has to be done and put in. And I think I think that's something that you know that I that was, I guess, common throughout all of my internships, and something that I was constantly reminded of that hard work does pay off. Even if it does pay off, it just means that there's another level that you have to overcome. <laughs> um, give me that that bullet list, starting from the beginning of all the different. Um internships and papers you worked at just go through them um so i've i as a as a staff photographer or 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 a staff intern um i've worked at the honolulu advertiser um the colorado springs gazette the tampa bay times the denver post and the los angeles times of course i've also freelanced for a lot of uh different publications in hawaii the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, Sports Illustrated. I'm trying to think of who else. There's, there's just like way too many to the list. Um, I've also done stuff for foreign publications, which, which uh, on the business side of things, can get a little tricky when they, when they, when they pay you via wire transfer and you, you lose some money. That, that comes into like working out contracts and negotiating um, fees and whatnot. So, yeah, <laughs> there's a whole other side yeah. to it that that's that's incredibly complex. Yeah, international business is always fun. <laughs> it's always tricky. Yeah, but that's that's amazing. It's it's so fun to hear your story. Um, I always think of you as as the little engine that could. Um, I mean, you started out with a passion, not even really a passion. You just picked up a camera, and and you you learned to fall in love with this creative art form uh, that you never really explored, even as a kid. And, and you were thinking about all kinds of different options in your life, going through music and med medical things. And yeah. <laughs> um, you, you've gone through like a long journey to kind of get where you're at now. And I love that. It's, it's inspirational to me and to, I think, a lot of other people that just are unsure of whether or not they can make it. Um, yeah, I mean, like you never know unless you try. And you'll never, I mean, I mean as cliche as that sounds, like, you, you never really fully understand until you like give it your all, and I, I always try to live 
my life and make my decisions with like, will I regret not doing this in the future? Or will I regret this later down in the road if I do this or if I don't do this? And, you know, I, I always try to live without regretting anything. And I mean, it's tough sometimes, but like, you know, if, if, if I really think it's, it's, it's worth it, like I dive in head first and give, give it my, my everything. I think that's the only way that you can be. I mean, cause there's so many other hungry, talented, young, or old people in this industry that want to be where you're at or want to be shooting what you're shooting. So you have to continue to have that tenacity, that hunger that you first had when you first started. Um, speaking of just getting started, I mean, I picked up one of my first bags from you used. <laughs> my old think tank, Urban Disguise 50. I still have that thing. Goes with me on every trip. Um, so our, our paths have crossed for a long time in this yeah. fun photo video industry. And it's just awesome to see kind of where, where you've gone with it. I want to take a little detour here because the photo industry that you're in, I think is very, very different to some of the photo industries that uh, the younger generation are aspiring to, to become. Yeah. With, with Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, people want to be entertainers. People want to build their own, like experiential lifestyles and and I think that's awesome I think that's great but what you do is very very different like you can't put any filters on life you can't doctor it to make a politician look or feel or sound a certain way tell me about that and capturing life in real time true to form and I think that's a really great uh I mean thing that you bring up like it's it's so it's it's been very fascinating to be looking at the rise of of influencers on YouTube and Instagram and seeing how they craft their work. I mean, I do think there's 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 a bit of overlap between all of it. And I th I think the most important thing is is like I see what's in front of me and I'm tasked with with telling a story only within the parameters of what exists in reality or what exists in my in my field of view at that moment. And I think that in itself is somewhat universal to to everything you know across all mediums and across all all forms of storytelling and 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 really and really i mean that's for me at least that's what it's always been about is is storytelling um you know like with with youtubers sometimes it's like it's they're they're telling their story or they're telling a story about something that's happening within their life whereas with me i'm kind of turning it around that other way and, and, and looking at those who have either been marginalized in society or those who wouldn't normally have their voice be heard. And I try to lend my camera as a means or a vehicle for to carry that voice and to carry that voice to others so that that person's story can be told. Um, and sometimes it's tough because, I mean, like, in some senses, we're, we're like these self, like photojournalists or documentary photographers are like these self-appointed, um, you know, I mean, I, I, that's something I always kind of struggle with, like this idea of like this, I, I appointed myself as somebody who, who deems other people's stories important and, or I, I, I select, and I'd love to tell everybody's story because I think everybody's story is important, but I just, that's something that I struggled with is like deciding or coming to grips with the idea of that I have to decide whose story is important, more important you know, to tell at that moment. Um, and that's something that I continually struggle with from day to day, but it's, um, that challenge is, is, is 
what kind of helps me be a better storyteller also looking at like especially documentary work one of the the biggest things that i i I try to emphasize when doing that and and this even crosses over not just from photojournalism but into like documentary fine art which is like this weird not weird but it's like a different field almost like i know of some documentary fine art photographers who don't adhere to the the rigid ethics that that photojournalists adhere to about like posing like setting up scenes or like removing items from like a scene or whatever have you but i think the, the the main point that i'm trying to get across is that like at the root of it all for me at least personally it's about that the genuineness and the moment and 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 really i mean being honest i mean that's the root of it all for me at least like being honest not only to the individual that i'm documenting but also to honest in the work that i'm creating because that person is trusting me with their voice their image their life and you know allowing me to put it forward in front of everybody and that's something really powerful and that's that's a responsibility i really do not take lightly and and the media, especially within the last what three to five years, has been criticized. I mean, it's always been criticized for the integrity of the truth that it's putting forward. Like, is it biased? Is it is it swaying one way or, the, or, or another, politically or socially? Or, I mean, there's always that friction. Yeah. Because it is told through the the lens or the pen of a particular person with yeah. their own uh, inherent beliefs. biases yeah. and beliefs. And and I mean, like, I was. I, for example, was raised in a somewhat liberal Judeo-Christian household, and and my life experiences and my the way that I was raised do inform the way that I tell a story. And I, I mean, like we can go into a whole debate about about how you know. I mean, there really is no impartiality in that sense. I mean, everything is influenced by everything and everybody, and so I, I think kind of going off of that, like. I, I don't know how to I don't know how to say it like it's um I don't know it's really for me it's troubling that the the term fake news has been so just like casually thrown around and and that the press or the media has been lumped into this catch-all like phrase to describe television media and and newspapers and magazines and everything else because I I do think you know like yeah the New York Times and the Washington Post and even the LA Times have have a have had a tendency to slant towards more liberal ideas or liberal themes. But for the most part, newspapers have always tried to straddle that line of these are the facts that we are reporting in front of you based on the information we have gathered, allowing people to kind of derive their own meaning and and whatever they may infer from it has always kind of been that our process, whereas, you know, you get pundits and it's a whole thing with with TV, and I, I really don't want to get into that. Yeah. It's like a whole rabbit hole. Yeah, but it's it's about integrity of content and context, yeah. uh, making sure that you know you're delivering the truth to yeah. people in the images you capture, in the yeah, captions definitely. that you write. Definitely. And, and I think that's that's something that the newspapers have always strived to do. Like that's their their core value, right? How yeah. do we bring the truth to the people? Yeah. And if we don't do that well they'll never trust us. Yeah. And I know that's been the struggle. People want to be able to trust the media that, that they're receiving uh, in whatever form it comes in. But I think the struggle is so many people are turning to things like 
Instagram or Facebook for that in that same kind of integrity that the news uh, or, or print has always kind of owned. Yeah. Uh, and it, it makes for a lot more congestion and confusion in the information space. It definitely does. And I mean, it, it all goes back to what, what I was kind of talking about earlier with just being honest and being genuine. I don't want to say that we've forgotten as a society, but something that we've, we've easily, easily written off, I think. Mm. The process of what you do is so different than I think what a lot of other people do. In, in the news, you're, you're not shooting raws because you can't spend tons of hours po- in post processing your, or doctoring images to look a certain way or feel a certain way. But you guys are, are doing things in a super timely manner to get things up immediately. The immediacy of it is as important as the content that you're delivering. Um, tell me about what that process is like for you. What, what, what do um, news, news documentarians, uh, photojournalists go through on the, on the daily with assignments? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, everybody has their own workflow, of course. Um, being one of the younger photographers on staff at the Times, I've really tried to push some of our older guys into like I mean I see some of them captioning in like Photoshop and it drives me absolutely nuts and I'm like guys you can be significantly faster Uh, my workflow is at least with the captioning part is based on automation so I use a program called Photo Mechanic um, which allows me to use like um, it's great for um, IPTC templating every assignment I have uh, I set up a caption for it like you know so and so poses for a portrait at the at the four seasons on this date and there are variables in that caption string that say you know like month or wire date which would be like the ap style of how you date images and whatnot and and so those variables get automatically populated depending on the day depending on what other information is in the, the template so a lot of it is for me is automated and it's great because i pop a card in ingest everything is captioned i can make you know minor changes if i need to i then edit it in Photoshop, meaning like I'll pull up, usually it's a JPEG, I'll straighten it or crop in just a little bit to get rid of like, you know, if I was sloppy and had some like somebody's finger coming in on the, I'll just kind of crop that out to make it a nicer frame. And then I'll, I'll uh, ship it off to our FTP server, which then dumps it into our system, which the newsroom has access to. Um, We do shoot raw sometimes. Um, It depends on the assignment. Um, especially for celebrity portraiture, we shoot raw because we ship those raw files off to a, a boutique agency that licenses it, licenses it for us. But for the most part, I like to I try to dial my cameras in specifically to like a certain look that I have. Like, like I used to, you know, like I mean, in photojournalism, you're not allowed to manipulate the image, and you're not allowed to like really do much to it. You can boost contrast slightly. You can adjust your levels. You can adjust your curves. Um, just very minutely and um, and oh, of course crop and straighten so I figured out early on that especially when I when, when I had started using like 5d mark twos you get I could set profile settings t- to like apply to the jpegs so I would like you know increase sharpness by one increase contrast by two and increase saturation of color tone by one each and I had, I had found out that by doing that and having that profile applied to the JPEGs, as soon as I ingested, I could pull up an image, and if I nailed the exposure, which I always try to do, because you try when you try to do everything in camera, that's less work out of camera, I could just pull up an image, and all I would need to do is straighten and crop and ship it off. 
especially when you work for wire services like the AP or Getty or AFP or Reuters, getting the images out first is always, or in a timely manner, but always being first is like the most important thing that is stressed. Um, kind of going back to what you were saying with the immediacy of it, because once it's on the wire, it means the rest of the world has access to it. Yeah, that's so that's oh. why it's called news, not yeah. olds, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the times we have a little, we're a little more lax, just because um, right now I think we have a staff of eighteen photographers still, which is I believe the largest staff in the country right now. Um, fingers crossed that we can grow it. <laughs> but um, you know, most of us will shoot one to two assignments a day, and and generally. Not everything is for daily, so we have a little bit of time to like really look through an edit. Um, it's really nice uh, when I have a, an editor sit down with me, and you know they'll look at like let's say I shot like 300 pictures on an assignment. I've edited it down to like my favorite 30, and they'll look at those 30, they'll mark the ones that they like, and then they'll go back and look at everything, which is kind of terrifying at first because. You don't want your editors to see your mistakes, but then at the same time, like it allows them to see your thought process. It helps them say, okay, you know, maybe next time let's look at doing this or whatever have you. And it's it's a great way to like kind of learn and grow, even though you're still like kind of like at that higher echelon. Other times, um, we we do things that require immediate, like super things that are like super immediate and. I'll, I'll use like a wireless transmitter on my 1DXs that I'll just, you know, um, you can tag it in camera and it'll apply a generic caption and it will send it straight to our FTP servers from the camera. And sometimes like when you're covering really big events like that, you need that immediacy. Or it's, or even like when we cover the Oscars, all of our photographers are tethered in, you know, we, we run into like small gaplet servers and then they those all kind of dump images into a central server for us to look at and editors will then go through everything and just edit out you know send off stuff that that's good and the photographers just can keep shooting it's interesting how with internet technology that it's definitely changed in these business um i mean like 40 50 years ago you'd have like you know si i, I believe used to have um like either a motorbike person or, or, or a con somebody told me once that there was like a Concord that would wait on standby, especially like during the Olympics to where they would fly the film from like Athens to New York, have it processed and be ready for that week's issue that was coming out like the next day of the Olympics or the Olympic for the Olympics. And it would be like the opening ceremony. So that was kind of phenomenal, but also I, I feel like that's where all the money went. <laughs> For me, at least, like I'm really interested in how you can use technology to speed up the speed up the process of getting the images out. And I'm always tweaking my workflow and always tweaking, trying to tweak the paper's workflow to 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 better that. There, there's a young Kent at UH at the University of Hawaii right now <laughs> that's that's struggling through their own journey of what do I do and how do I get there. Uh, what would you say to inspire? That, that young creative person who doesn't even know they're creative yet to, to push through and find their particular path and, and, and start on their own journey? I think I would start with asking them, are you happy with what you're doing right now? And what could you be doing that you feel fulfilled in here? And whatever that is, just kind of go out and do it. I mean, it's a very westernized view of 
we're all predominantly Asian here and like how we were raised with these Asian values of, you know, serving the family first and putting that forward. But just kind of finding your passion and finding your voice really and how you can, you can serve the greater good by making your voice heard, but also helping your fellow human beings and allow their their voices to be heard as well. We we actually live in a, a time where that's actually possible. I mean, yeah. I think 40, 50 years ago, with without this digital, um, you know, this global digital opportunity yeah. wide open for us, uh, I don't, I don't think it was as easy for for our, our parents' generation who who grew up on pineapple farms or sugar plantations because these opportunities didn't didn't exist. Yeah. But now we do have the opportunity to make our own dreams, our own destinies, uh, a reality, and. And, and that's really it. And finding what, finding what your own is, I think, is is the hardest part sometimes. Yeah, I mean, just don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to revisit things that you've already tried. Um, like when I started out, I, I gotta be honest, I absolutely hated portraiture. I just didn't enjoy setting up lights and really figuring out dialing and lighting ratios and and really like engage, like trying to engage with the person to to come up with like you know to make them pose a certain way or do something and it drove me nuts like I, I tried to avoid it at all costs and at some point I just I really got interested and I, I revisited it like years later and, and, and there was something about it that like sparked an interest in me and that's like a lot of what I do now I mean when I was when I came back to finish school in Hawaii like a lot of the freelance work I was doing was portraiture and so I mean, you know, things change and people change and your interests change and and sometimes revisiting old things that you initially written off can definitely be interesting. You know, there's this like big trend where kids just don't find college valuable anymore. Um, parents not necessarily even encouraging their kids to go if that's not what they want to do. But you spent um, you spent some time finding yourself, finding your own path. But you did come back to school. You did yeah. complete your degree. How, how long was that journey, and, and why did you complete it? Let's just say I graduated in 2003 um, from high school, and then I graduated. I I was in and out of school, um, and there was actually like a long portion where I wasn't in school at all. But I basically, it took me 14 years, I think, to finally get that degree, which is the longest in my family, and my cousin loves to remind me of that because he took 12, I think. Uh, but we're, and it's funny because we're also on like similar paths. He does photography as well. Why I went back was part of it was for, for my for my parents. Like they really wanted me to finish school, but there was there was like a conscious choice that I had made that I felt that I needed to go back and finish it for myself. And quite honestly, you know, I have met a lot of kids who who have you know started like photography in high school and they're like i don't need to go to college like i'm i'm doing well for myself and and one of the biggest things that that i got from school and especially being an art major was well one i got to explore all these archaic processes in photography like film and and even like archaic printing processes like calotype or tintype and platinum palladium but the most important thing that I got from it was like that ability to really think critically about not just the form and structure of my art, but also how 
it informs other people and how other people engage with it. And for me, that when I was initially in school, like I just kind of wrote that off. I was like, well, fuck, I, I don't need that. Like, I don't need to know that. Like people look at something and they'll arrive something from it. But, but with, with growing older and having a little more life experience and even reading more like critical theory, which university of Hawaii really needs to do more in their art program. They need to have more critical theory programs. I think really kind of showed me how people are influenced by it or how they interact with it and how, sometimes being intentional in the way that I, 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 I set up, not set up an image, but like the way that I see something and I photograph it, you know, carries meaning and how that meaning can be translated into like a message or, you know, and how that applies to, you know, how that relates to somebody's voice whose story I'm telling and, and how all of that together, you know, really comes together um, in the message or, or, or in, in, in the final product with that I'm like forever grateful for, for going back to school and finishing that one of my photo professors Stan Tomita like he when I started in school like he tried to like express that upon me and it never really clicked until I guess I was ready to understand it myself we were supposed to like so the, the immediate photo class are tasked with like creating a, a body of work and that could be that I mean it's really broad and it could be anything um you know, and especially since the program is fine art based, like you, you're, you're kind of given that wide variety of, or that wide uh, birth of, you know, to choose what you want to do. And because I was, you know, very into photojournalism at that, like I had just started diving into it. I wanted to do a photo story and, and all of my images were very process oriented, process based. Like it was the act of doing something and in something that's very superficial. It didn't dive deeper into the the initial idea. I mean, I mean the the original idea of like this presence of an absence, which is kind of when I look back on it now, all of my work is like rooted in that. It's kind of fascinating that that that's what has like influenced me for like has long influenced me. But one day, I was working on a story in like rural Colorado about this. Um, this place that had been like an army fort, a VA hospital, a psychiatric ward, and like a whole bunch of different places. And I was talking with one of the guys and just something in my head clicked. I just immediately started thinking about like what Stan had said to me about, about, you know, digging deeper than just that, that superficial. And, and like, I immediately like sent him an email, like when I, when I got home that night and I was like, Oh my God, like it all makes sense now. And I mean, his reply was, oh, it's about time, you know, but like it was, it was just like, I don't think I would have, it would have been more difficult for me to arrive at that point if I hadn't, if it wasn't for college. Everybody's so like engrossed with like test scores and performance stuff and whatnot. But I, I, th- I think co- the most important thing about college is, is, is that ability to think critically and that ability to apply that, that critical thinking to everything that you do. And I think that's something that I wouldn't have traded the, the path that I've been on for anything in the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely informed what I do and how I approach things. That's awesome. And I think that's a good place to kind of wrap it up. And thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with us and your experience. So much fun catching up with you. Likewise. Thanks. That was Kent Nishimura of the LA Times. Be sure to show some love to Kent Nishimura at Kent Nish. K-E-N-T-N-I-S-H on Instagram and Twitter. And check out some of his work at kentnishimura.com. 
That wraps up this episode. But if you're new to the show and want to hear some of our previous podcasts, you can find them on iTunes or Google Play or on our site at hawaiishoots.com slash podcast. We're also on IG at Hawaii underscore shoots and Twitter and Facebook at Hawaii Shoots. Thank you so much for your support and giving us a listen today. And until next time, aloha and keep shooting. Keep shooting.